Revelation 16. Um, we'll pick it up in verse 17 here in a bit, down through verse 21. Last week, we looked at just the sixth bowl and the sixth bowl of wrath. And remember, in these last seven bowls, it says the wrath of God is complete. And that's talking about the wrath of God here on earth being completed. We know that with this last bowl that we'll get in tonight, it really ushers in the judgment of the Babylonian system, the Babylonian religious system, the Babylonian economic system, and the Babylonian government, which our world's headed rapidly towards right now, as well as it ushers in the literal second coming of Jesus Christ. Um, last week, we looked at the sixth bowl, and remember we saw that the river Euphrates gets dried up, and it gets dried up so the kings of the east can venture towards Jerusalem, towards the valley of Jehoshaphat, which is there in Jerusalem, as well as all the way down the valley of the Dead Sea. And we see it's about a 200-mile um, you know, piece of land where the armies of the earth gathered together to fight the literal coming of Jesus Christ, thinking that they are going to have victory over the Lord. And you think, who could be so foolish? How could you be so foolish to do that? Well, remember out of the mouth of the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet, we saw that unclean spirits go out of their mouth like frogs to perform signs and wonders to lure them there to that valley. And I, I just have to think that, you know, at that point, they've been so battered by all of the wrath that's been poured out on them and the seal judgments, the trumpet judgments, the bowl judgments, plus other judgments that we don't even get all the details on, that there has to be a, you know, an even stronger the delusion that comes upon them to think, well, we're still going to defeat God. And uh, again, these spirits go forth because they will have subjected themselves to these spirits. You know, you keep rejecting the Lord over and over again, your heart gets more and more hearted, and you even get into a place of greater and greater deception. And you know, we see that in the world today just with all the things that are unfolding in it and, and you know, the, the things that are evil that are called good and the good things that are called evil. You know, it seems like in times past that maybe a change in society's thinking would happen over a year or two or three years. And now it just seems like you go from one week to the next and they're even more deceived and they're even more uh, you know, under a spirit of delusion, just rapidly changing, talking to, you know, someone earlier in the foyer, and we were just talking about how our older kids, you know, in their, in their early mid-20s, they grew up in a completely different world than their siblings that are 10 years younger than them. Um, I heard uh, Ben Shapiro the other day, which, you know, I agree with a lot of stuff, kind of an antichrist in a lot of ways, but whatever, you know, he was talking about how, oh, you know, these parents today with their kids and some, such and such. And I'm thinking, do you must just have little kids? Because I know parents today that if they raise their kids the exact way they're raising them now, 30 years ago, those kids would grow up and they would be unscathed for the most part. And, you know, it would be productive out in culture and probably would grow up in the faith. And these same parents raising their kids in the same way then it's a fight every single day. Can anyone bear witness to that? Because the amount of influence, because those, those kids weren't being raised, you know, at, with the teacher coming every day and saying, what gender are you? What do you want to do? Well, go do that. They, they didn't face that. They didn't have all the influence of the social media and stuff and their peers. They didn't, they didn't have that. And so again, there's just a great deception and, and we see it firsthand now and it's preparing the way for this great tribulation that's coming it's just it's a delusion and you know it breaks my heart because god loves these kids so much and uh, we know god's truth is so good and god's truth liberates and god has such a great plan and purpose for for all of our kids and yet the enemy comes to steal kill and destroy by you know it offering something that appears to be good and more promising just like that mark of the beast will be it will appear to be good and promising and yet, what do we see and what do we see that comes soon after that? You know what? 
foul and loathsome sores break out on those people and a darkness comes on their kingdom and what he offers does not produce the goodness and righteousness of God and fruits of the Holy Spirit. So, you know, we looked at that in great detail last week. And now before we get to chapter or to verse 17 and the, the seventh bowl, I want to go back to what we saw the Lord say in the midst of that sixth bowl, in the midst of that great Euphrates River, which we see in Genesis and we see in Revelation. And we talked about how to kind of, it represents God's grace and that it's stuck around so long. And yet it also shows God's wrath because so many of these um, judgments come from that area. But we saw in the midst of all of that, the Lord throwing out a reminder, the Lord throwing out an exhortation. Remember in the first chapter of the book, we read, blessed are those who read and hear and keep the words of this prophecy. And uh, been reminding you guys of that throughout the book. We gotta go back to that. Look, there's a blessing. A lot of people stay away from Revelation. Oh, it's too confusing. It's too scary or so forth. Look, there's a great blessing in it. And there's a great blessing in reading and hearing and keeping. And some people say, well, how do you keep the book of Revelation? Because isn't it just prophecy? No, it's so much more than that. There's tons of instructions in this book. There's tons of examples of worship in this book and so forth. And there's many great exhortations in it. And the Lord in the midst of talking about these bowls of wrath that are going to come, talk, he talks to the reader of the present day, of the day it was written in. And, you know, at the last few thousand years as his sons and daughters would read this book that's been preserved for us. And it's an exhortation for us right here tonight. It's an exhortation for us to hear, to walk in, and to walk in the blessings of God. Because notice verse 15. Jesus says, behold, I'm coming as a thief. And then notice, blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. So again, in the midst of all these things that we're reading about, the Lord throws out this exhortation, this reminder. As we're looking at this, he says, behold, or check this out, or you especially need to pay attention to this. I am coming as a thief. It's the Lord saying, I'm coming soon. And he reiterates that at the end of this book in chapter 22, three times he says, I'm coming quickly. So when people say, when you say Jesus is coming soon and like, oh, how do you know that? He said it. He said he's coming quickly. I think I told you guys, you know, with our last day's radio um, ministry, you guys know on the bumper sticker says Jesus is coming soon. And it's amazing what a trigger point that is for so many people. I I never knew that just saying that would trigger so many people as well as encourage so many people. But we had a pastor basically come come at us with that and like, how do you know he's coming soon? Uh, he, he, he didn't even say he's coming soon. And I'm like, what? Have you, you're a pastor. Have you not read the Bible? Like, number one, he said all these signs will be happening in the world that are, but more than that, look at bottom line, even if you don't think those things are happening in your ignorance, I'll tell you this, Jesus said, I'm coming soon. Jesus said, I'm coming quickly. I, you know, well, what does he really mean by that? You know, some people, those people, you know, I'm coming quickly is what he means. And you're like, but it's been 2,000 years. Well, let's remember to the Lord, a day is a 1,000 years and a 1,000 years as is a day. He says he's coming quickly. And then again, we do see the unfolding of these end times things. And he reminds us in the midst of this that he is coming soon. He is coming quickly. And then he says he's coming like a thief. And here's the thing about thieves. Generally, they don't announce when they're gonna break into your house and come in and rob you. They don't tell you that. Look at growing up, especially as a little kid, our house got broken so many times. A couple home invasions along the way as well. They never announced when they were coming. They never did. They came at an unexpected time. And it's a crazy thing when you're three years old and you see your front door kicked in and then everything ripped up in front of you. It's kind of, kind of like, messes your child up a little bit but god is faithful amen they don't announce it though and he says i'm coming like a thief and this is a direct reference to the rapture of the church i'm coming for you 
I'm coming for you quickly and I'm coming like a thief. And he says, blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest they walk or he walk naked and see his shame. That's an exhortation for us right now. We're reading about things that are going to come and we see things lining up. And there's a lot in that that we can glean today for today, that lot that we can glean about God and so forth. But right here, again, this exhortation, blessed is he who watches. I'm coming quickly. I'm coming like a thief. Are you watching? Are you watching tonight? Are you alert? Are you keeping your garments lest, again, you be found naked or you know it without your sin covered and be shame the lord gives us so many exhortations to watch luke 21 34 the olivet discourse as he's talking about the signs of his coming the end of the age he's laying out we've gone back to this sermon so many times and we've connected with the book of daniel with the letters that paul wrote to those in thessalonica uh, the the book of revelation and the midst of the lord telling us the things again they're going to unfold he says there but take heed to yourself you know how many times we're taking heed to everybody else take heed to yourself that's a good exhortation for us right there right take heed to yourself lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing drunkenness and the cares of this life and that day come on you unexpectedly Again, the Lord reiterates this throughout the scripture. Watch, take heed to yourself. See what you are up to. He says in verse 35, for it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. And then notice 36, watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and stand before the son of man. So it says, pray that you're counted worthy to escape these things, to be caught up in the air with the Lord, absolutely to be raptured with the church. And you read that and you're like, man, how, how do I pray in a manner that's counted worthy? Look at, I'll tell you the only prayer that will make you counted worthy, it's a real simple one. Oh, Jesus, be merciful to me, a sinner. <laughs> you are Lord and I am not. Forgive me of my sins be my savior be my god that prayer and genuineness of faith calling upon christ to save you that's the only thing that makes us worthy and then from there absolutely we are called to live our lives not like we lived before we came to christ but we live our life as christ is living his life unto the glory of the father that's the mark of someone that has a genuine faith in the lord jesus christ and so again, he says, blessed is the one who is watching. That means to keep awake. It means to be vigilant. And so you want blessings in your life. You want an additional blessing. A great blessing is gonna be found again in being alert, having oil in your lamp and doing what? Not going to sleep, but keeping it burning, being about the business of God. That takes the time stirring yourself up. That takes watching your own walk. That takes some self, uh, you know what, criticisms and uh, analytics and asking God to search you and know you and for God to wake you up. Because listen, it's very easy to grow lukewarm in this world, is it not? It just is. It's just easy to get uh, sidetracked. It's easy to be in that place of, yeah, I, I love the Lord and so forth, but we lose our zeal for him. We lose our unction for him. I really think one of the enemy's greatest, you know, uh, uh, objectives when it comes to followers of Jesus Christ is to temper their zeal for the Lord Jesus, to dull them, to get them lukewarm, to get them, you know, at apathetic. And he comes at us with a hundred and different one ways to try to do that, really more than that. Whether it's, you know, at the, as it says here, the cares of this life, carousing drunkenness, even in falling into that kind of religious routine where we're going through the steps, but we've lost the zeal and fervency of our Lord. And look at, that's where we have a responsibility, you know what, to watch and keep our garments. As I said many times, the preacher you're gonna hear the most in life is not gonna be Pastor Steve. And I know some of you guys 
People tell me, I listen to that radio station all day. So you listen to Pastor Steve, you're hearing Pastor Steve, at least probably an additional time a day with some five minute words and so forth thrown there. You're, it ain't going to be me though. It's going to be yourself. And what are you preaching to yourself? What, what, is, what is the sermon that you are bringing? What is the material that you are preaching to yourself? Again, are you enforcing to yourself the word of God, the things of God? Are you taking your thoughts captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ? This is why, look at this, is why we gather here to equip you to go walk out there with the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the thing in that, there is a blessing found in that. Life's found in that. Life is found living for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where abundant life is found. That's where the work of the Holy Spirit is found. That's where the fruits of the Spirit is found. That is where, as we talked about Sunday, that clear conscience is found, where you can lay down in bed at night and with whatever's going on in the world, you know you're at peace with the Lord. Even in the midst of wrestling with things, and we're going to wrestle with things, but boy, isn't it beautiful to wrestle those things with the Lord with you versus doing that on your own so again in the midst of all of this blessed is he who watches and again keeps his garments and there's a lot of watchmen out there in the sense of they're watching the things going on in the church i think i have a somewhat of a calling in that i've always kind of had that uh that's not my main calling i would say that's just a little sub calling and there's a lot of folks that watch everybody else and you know what the bible says you'll know them by their fruits so in the proper place and setting those have a proper place and setting but above all of that we are to watch again ourselves to keep our garments to give an honest assessment because at the end of the day the only people that really know what's going on in you in your mind in your heart is your mama and god no you and god <laughs> and your mama probably knows a lot too but let's face it you can fool anybody right and and there's there's as we read we saw sunday again that imposters will grow worse and worse deceiving and being deceived that that's talking about imposters in the church pretending to be something they're not but but you got to have a tr- you got to be able to truly analyze yourself and watch yourself that you are watching for the Lord and you're watching your walk again it's a double exhortation he's coming quickly blessed is he who watches for the Lord and blessed is he who is watching his walk or keeping his garments they got their eyes on Jesus first and then they're looking at themselves in light of the Lord and they're saying where am I with the Lord am I abounding in the Lord am I growing in the Lord am I in love with the Lord and listen if that's not the case and again we can all get in that place there's a lot coming against us today as Christians, no doubt about it. It's why we need to keep having nights like this where that, we got a full house here of people encouraging each other in the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord? And we're building up one another and exhorting one another. And we're doing it in love. We're doing it because we care about each other and we love the Lord. And we know we're, we're, we're all facing it out there. And some are facing it more than others. And again, we're trying to raise our kids in the Lord Jesus Christ. But again, the gates of hell won't prevail against God's church. We have tools, but we need to pick them up and we need to operate in them and walk in them and walk in the word and even just ask the Lord and hear this, even give the Lord. And I want to say this in the right way because God doesn't really need our permission but give him the permission in the sense of God, I'm asking you and we got to do it honestly. God, keep me in check. I trust in you. Oh, don't say, don't pray for patience. God will, you know, God will take you through a tribulation. Man, better to fall in the hands of God than then. And better to be about, be in the hands of God than be about our own business. About our own business. God loves you. God, God, when he brings correction, he brings it in the perfect way. You know, to ask God to say, Lord, again, I'm, how much can I really watch myself? And, and, you know what, I, I know that, that, I can try in myself to watch my garments, but I think of David who said, Lord, you search me, you know me. You try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any wicked way, then you remove it. And so the best way I see to watch our garments is, is by the Lord saying, Lord, you watch them. You keep my garments. 
Lord, when I need a good cleansing, when I need to get to the Jesus laundromat, you know, when I stinketh, oh, Lord God, tell me so I can get these things taken care of, amen? And here's the thing, God's on our side. Remember, we've seen in Romans, God is for us. God's for you. God loves you. Even in all this, this isn't to put some heavy yoke on you. This isn't try to, to, to make life miserable. This is a, a, a call to blessing. This is a call to life. This is a call to abound in the Lord. And I just pray as, as you know what, if, if the Lord tarries, you know, as the days and, the, and the, the weeks and perhaps even the months and the years go by, that all the more we grow and abound in him. And it's something where, again, we're watching, we're keeping our garments, less as he says here, we walk naked and we see our shame or our shame is sown or seen. And, and what he's talking about here is, is sin. Now, again, in Christ, we know our sins covered by the blood of Jesus, and that's a glorious thing. I'm positionally right with God, but there's also a practical aspect of this. You know, we want to shine for the Lord, and we don't shine for the Lord when we look just like the world. We don't at all. That's a shameful thing. God hasn't called us to that. God's called us to live our lives unto the Lord. Galatians 3.26, it says, For you're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as you as were baptized into Christ, notice, have put on Christ. We've put on Christ positionally, and now we're called to, again, take up our cross daily and to put on Christ daily in the Lord. And it's real interesting. He gives this exhortation for us to keep our garments and so I went and, and I looked up garment there in, in uh, and to be clothed in Revelation, and it comes up to one church, and it's the church of Laodicea. And I really believe that's the end time church. It's the compromised church. And God especially tells that church who thinks they have everything that really have nothing, and you need to get clothed with, again, the righteousness of the Lord. Notice Revelation 3.14. We'll read this and then we're gonna jump into the seventh bowl here. It says, to the angel of the church of the Laodicean. And Laodicea, if you don't know, it means, it means your own opinion. And isn't that the church of today for the most part? You know, and oh, this is what the word says. Well, I don't care. This is my opinion. You know, we're deconstructing that. We're coming up with our own thing. No, the Bible is, you know what, forever and eternal all this is going to pass away, but guess what? God's word is going to remain God's word's truth. But it's to the church, he says, to the angel of the church of your own opinion. These things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of creation. So this is Jesus speaking. I know your works that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were cold or hot. So then because you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. And again, oftentimes this is uh this is taken wrong people think that the lord's saying an on fire walk for the lord or a real cold walk for the lord and i've even heard people say well look i'm better off in full sin because at least i'm not lukewarm and i'm not one of those you know lukewarm christians that's really not what this is talking about hot or cold look at we know in laodicea they had hot waters there was cold waters when you mix it together, you get lukewarm water. Who wants to drink a nice glass of lukewarm water? <laughs> you want a cold drink or you want a hot drink? And what he's talking about here wasn't on fire or cold for the Lord. He's talking about, you know, at taking God's word and man's opinion and nixing them. And he says, that sickens me. I vomit that out of my mouth. And again, that's so much of the church today where there's a real lack of reverence for the word of God being the final authority where people say, oh, I don't care what the word says. This is what we're doing over here. This is what we're thinking and so forth. No, it's what, what God's word says. But though, listen what he goes on to say. Because you say I'm rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, do you not know you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind? And then notice here, you're naked. In other words, you're not keeping your garments. No doubt in this church, there were a lot of people that were Christ followers in name only, but at the same time, no doubt there were real believers here because he is writing to the church, which is a gathering of 
believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's saying here, look at, yeah, you're the church, but your practical life, it, it's, it, it is not pleasing to God. You're mixing your opinion in with God's word. You're thinking that you're fine walking in your opinion, but the truth is you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. And then notice what he says. And this is something for us to, to consider tonight. Let's not be in the place where we say, oh yeah, that's all those other Christians. I know there have been many a time where I've lived and walked like a Laodicean Christian. It's all around us. Again, it permeates so much of Christianum. So he says, and this is how we can you know, help us keep our garments, so to speak. He says, I counsel to you to buy for me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich. And white garments, notice here, that you may be clothed. So again, your sins covered, even practically, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye sap that you may see. And he says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. And some will say, oh, this is harsh preaching. You know, and, oh man, we're getting chastened. Yeah, God chastens us because he loves us. And he says, therefore, notice, do what? Be zealous and repent. And if there's areas in your life where you haven't been keeping your garments, areas where, again, you've allowed your opinion or the opinion of the day, and I'll tell you the opinion of the day is so put in front of us as being right, even when it so contradicts God's word, but God's word is still right. God's word is upright. He's telling us to do something about it. Repent and get zealous about it. Bring your sin before God and say, God, yes, this is a sinful, it's a shameful thing, and I want you to wash me and forgive me. I want the covering of the Lord. I want to walk in the covering of the Lord, absolutely, because there's blessing found there. There's life found there. And notice verse 20, he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And I think that's a twofold exhortation myself. I think that's a personal call for us to fellowship with the Lord daily. And I also believe it's God telling this end times church, behold, I'm right at the door. And guess what? I can come at any time. In fact, I'm coming like a thief. I'm coming like a thief. Do we believe Jesus tonight? Can we say amen to that? Jesus speaks truth. And then he says, if anyone, and I love it, he's all inclusive. There's no partiality. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. And remember there in chapter five, we see the 24 elders and where, they are, where are they? They're on thrones. 24 elders on 24 thrones. It shows the completeness of the church. God's even saying to the Laodicean church, you overcome, you're gonna be on that throne. Well, if 24 elders are on all the thrones, there's no more thrones. Look at, I'm gonna be on that throne in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so are you in the Lord Jesus Christ. As we overcome in the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne, he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. So hopefully we have a hear, an ear to hear that tonight, that we could take that exhortation tonight, that if you've gotten weary of watching and you're like, okay, and look at the Bible said the last days will be marked by scoffers and mockers, and they are all over the place. And sadly, they're not just out in the world. There are so many of them in the church. There's so many reverends and pastors running around literally mocking the coming of jesus christ mocking the idea and the truth and the scriptures of the rapture of the church they don't even know in doing that they're fulfilling prophecy they're fulfilling an end-time prophecy so all the more let's look to the lord look look to his word let's look at our life in light of the lord and if, look at, we're growing weary, if we are, 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 are you know what, are, are sleeping, then let's say, Lord, wake us up. Wake us up and stir us up and absolutely give us what we need to forge forward in the Lord. And you got to preach that to yourself over and over and get encouraged in the Lord Jesus every single day. I'll have people say to me, they're like, man, how are you so zealous? How do you, you know what, I don't just show up here, I'll tell you that. I, gotta, I, I have to preach. You think I preach a lot to you? I have to preach to myself every single day. Steve, get your eyes on the Lord. Steve, walk in truth. Don't listen to that. Stand in the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are certain days where, you know what? 
I fall short in that in the sense of I'll let the world's influence come in, uh, get a little dulled, get a little lukewarm, whatever. And it's like, Lord, wake me up out of it. I asked the Lord a long time ago, Lord, wake me up. If I don't have a hunger for you, God, absolutely rattle my cage because I want to live for you, God. My time here is short. And I know there's so many influences out there wanting to get me to fall asleep. Want me to get worried about what am I going to preach because you might lose your job or whatever. Who cares? I need to live for the Lord. And I'll tell you, in that, God will go before you. I, I'm amazed how God will go before you. God will make a way. God will give you favor. God will even put down, again, enemies. God will open up doors you never thought. And there's a great confidence in that when you're walking with the Lord. And again, I want to grow in my walk. I got a long way to go. I need help. I need prayer. And it's my hope that together we'll abound in the Lord Jesus Christ, building up one another. Can we say amen to that? Well, that's the pre-sermon. Here's the sermon. 17 through 21. And the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, it is done. And there were noises and thunders and lightnings and there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as not, had not occurred since men were on the earth. Now the great city was divided into three parts and the cities of all the nations fell and great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Then every island fled away, and the mountains were not found, and great hell from heaven fell upon men, each hellstone about the weight of a talent. Men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hell, since the plague was exceedingly great. So very interesting, the seventh angel pours out his bowl, and it gets poured out on the air. Now remember in these seven last angels, it says that the wrath of God is complete. And so especially in this last angel, he's pouring out the complete wrath of God in this dispensation on the earth. And now again, men die in their sin, they're gonna be under the wrath of God forever in an eternal flame. But this brings completeness on the wrath of God poured out now. Now you read this and you're like, well, why don't I read about the second coming and these other things? Because these things are coinciding. This coincides with chapter 17, chapter 18, and chapter 19. Next week, we'll see in chapter 17, the end of religious Babylon. And look at, we've talked about a one world end time religion. We've talked about the Antichrist, the mark of the beast, you know, worshiping the image of the beast. That's already around. That really was birthed all the way back on the plain of Shinar back in Genesis, uh, what is it, chapter 10 with Nimrod. That's where a Babylonian religion started of sun worship and so forth. And when the Lord came down and scattered them, that went out to the four corners of the earth. And it's been existing in opposition to Christianity and the coming of Christ there in the Old Testament all of these years. There's always been an opposition. We'll see again next week that, um, again, this comes together with this great ecumenical coming together of all of these religions that are Christless, even the ones that have Christ in their name at that point. It's not true born-again believers. And we'll see that in this, that the beast uses them and really the Antichrist, when he comes on the scene, he's not gonna be an atheist. Fools say, oh, give me atheist, atheism. Atheism's foolishness. Most people, atheism just so dumb. I mean, you know, I know atheists think they're so smart, but God says the, a fool says in his heart, there's no God. So look at, I'm not just saying that. That's what God says. It's, it's going to be a false religion and it's going to be all these religions come together and, and the beast is going to ride them onto the scene. Really, it says that he comes out on the white horse conquering and it's very interesting. Again, it seems very much to be a picture of the Antichrist using this religious system, and yet we're gonna see that the, the Antichrist is gonna turn on her. And it's just like he's saying, I need some useful idiots to usher in my kingdom, and now I'm gonna turn on them. And again, with this bowl, God brings it all to an end. And so we'll see that in chapter 17. And then chapter 18 talks about economic Babylon. And it talks about it falling in an hour. 
you know, this, this worldwide global economy that's just really almost becoming one, it's going to fall in an hour. And it says the merchants are going to be out on the seas weeping. And I've touched on this before. It's, it's a fascinating chapter when we get to it because it talks about basically what they view to be the most valuable to the least valuable. And it starts with, you know, they traded gold and myrrh, all these different things. And then at the very end, it says that they traded uh, the souls of men. And I'll tell you, that is prophetic to the day we're living in because there's so much human trafficking today, abortion, the, the selling of, of, of babies, of, of children, of people. I mean, it, it, is, it is right in plain sight, yet so many people don't see it. And there's a savagery in this world today. There's a savagery, savagery that many elites, and as they're called in Psalm 2, kings and rulers have, where they don't even look at, you know what, the, the average man is even a person. They look at you like that chair you're sitting in. And they exchange souls. And our nation is one of the leading human traffickers in the, in the whole world. And it's been good. There's been some more light shined on that. But it doesn't stop. It's just a juggernaut. I mean, um, you know, this, this latest trial with, uh, what's her name, Gasoline or whatever, who worked with Epstein. And this dude's a major human trafficker. Um, you read about all these high ups, all these presidents going to his islands, all of the presidents, just so you know, all of them on the left, on the right, all these stars, Chris Rock, Will Smith were on that, the Lolita Express and all that stuff. Um, and, and then his madam or whatever goes on trial. And in the midst of it, there's all this misdirection because there's a lot of people up in high places that just exchange the souls of people and the bodies of people because they don't even look at them worth anything. They're worth nothing to them. But guess what? God Almighty is going to come back and he's going to bring judgment and he's going to level it in an hour. He's going to level it. And this word proclaims it. This bowl is going to bring it. And then in chapter 19, at the literal second coming of Christ, all those armies and, you know, kind of their kings will be gathered there. And we know the Lord comes down and tramples them like wine in a wine press. And the blood of them, again, it goes up to the horse's bridle 200 miles long. Interesting, he pours it out on the air. This word air in the Greek it means to breathe unconsciously. So it's that idea of I breathe without thinking about breathing. And I talked about this a few weeks ago, how we have so many muscles that we don't control and they're the muscles that keep us alive. You're not sitting there right now saying, okay, make your heart beat. You know, you can say lift up your hand or lift up your arm and my mind controls that. You know, and I know you can take a deeper breath but you're not controlling your breathing and you're not controlling your heart. There's all of these muscles that God in his great grace and mercy, you know, it allows to operate each day we have here on earth where God's just hoping we will grow after him. And when it says he pours out the bull on his air, on the air, yes, to a degree, he's maybe talking about the actual air, because we know he's poured out bowls on the sun, on the water, the food, the air, these gifts that God gives us. But this is also, again, really speaking about the breath that we breathe without thinking about it. He pours it out on that. All these things, again, even the sun, the water, the food, the air. And look at how many times in your life have you ever just sat there, you know Maybe we say, oh, Lord, thank you for the beating of my heart, the breath of my lungs. But have we ever said, Lord, thank you right now that you are allowing those muscles to contract right now. And think about even right now, even tonight, there's people blaspheming God right now. So many people blaspheming God right now in mind, in word, and in action. And God in his grace is still allowing those muscles to contract. You talk about the grace of God, the mercy of God giving them opportunity to call upon him. So this is gonna pour out, you know what, these things that I think so many take for granted are gonna come to an end. You know, these things that God allows, 
you know what, in his mercies upon the good and evil. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 45, he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. In a like manner, he lets all those muscles work in the life of the just and the unjust. He brings food, the sunshine, the air we breathe. Look at it, it's a gift from God, man. Don't take that for granted tonight. Oh Lord, let us all the more when we take a breath say thank you, Jesus. That's a gift from God, amen. But we know from Romans chapter one, Again, although they knew God, verse 21, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. I don't want that to be me. I don't want to be lumped into that. I don't want to be found an unthankful or grateful person. Lord, forgive me for my lack of thanksgiving. I want to thank the Lord for every breath, every beat of the heart, every breath of air, absolutely for every meal every raindrop like we had some this week let's be the opposite of that and all the more be found of people giving thanks and praise and glory to god almighty interesting as well he pours it on the air and how can we not think spiritually of the prince of the power of the air satan himself who again we know the world is under the sway of the wicked one we know this babylonian system that falls with this bowl is absolutely walking in cahoots of the wicked one because really in this judgment not only does judgment come on the babylonian religious system economic system and government but absolutely as well comes upon their ruler the dragon that he gets thrown into a place of torture for a thousand years and then he's loose for a short time and then he's thrown into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever and ever so all the kingdoms that are of the devil they fall we read about him in Ephesians 2. Uh, again, verse, um, actually, this is verse 6. I got the wrong reference there. Uh, no, 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 I'm right. 2 1. Um, it talks about how we once walked according to this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. And then chapter 6 talks about the wrestlings with the prince of the power of the air. And again, we know when Jesus was tempted by the devil, we read that he takes the Lord up and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world. And he says, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you these. And we don't say the Lord saying, wait a minute, those aren't yours to give. And we talked about this in Revelation. When man sinned, he forfeited the deed of the earth to the devil. But Jesus, our kinsman redeemer, he died for our sins. And he also took that deed back when he died on the cross and he shed his blood for us. And really what you see here is the final eviction. God's saying, look it, I brought wrath on you. Now you're being evicted. And we know what comes in after this in 19, a thousand year reign of Jesus upon this earth. And then he says again, uh, I heard a loud voice come out of the temple of heaven and from the throne saying it is done. So again, it's done. And don't again be mistaken and go, well, if it's done, then why is there chapter 17, 18, and 19? Look at these all coincide is why. With this bull, those events are happening with it. We already read it and we'll see it in a second. The great Babylon falls. Religious Babylon, economic Babylon, and the government of Babylon, it falls. It is done. But listen, it's a declaration of something coming to an end. Praise God the Lord made an earlier declaration of things coming to an end. Jesus there on the cross in John 19, 30, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. And then notice Luke 23, 44, now it was about the sixth hour. There was darkness over all the earth till the ninth hour. The sun was darkened. The veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, in your hands, I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. So the Lord said, it is finished. The veil in two is ripped in part, or the veil was ripped in part. And he said, Father, in your hands, I commit my spirit. So again, tonight you're either in the it is finished group or in the it's gonna be done group. And the it is finished group is those that have said, yes, Jesus has atoned for my sins he tore the veil in two that kept sinners from going into the presence of God. And now I can enter boldly to the throne of grace because it is finished. Jesus has atoned for my sins. He is my Lord. Or if you're in that place, he's not your Lord. Look at 
the day's coming soon when it's going to be done. Life's going to be done and you're going to be judged because really this judgment, again, it is a huge picture of what every man, woman outside of Jesus Christ is going to face one day. Aren't you glad to be in the it is finished group? That Jesus has finished it. Now notice verse 18. It says, And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings. There was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. And so it's interesting. It says there's noises. That could also be translated voices. So there's voices up there. And what are they saying? We've seen throughout Revelation. What are the voices in heaven saying? They're giving praise to God. They're rejoicing even in the judgment of God because God's glorified in it. Some examples there in Revelation 4, it talks about the voices of the four living creatures saying, holy, 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 Lord God almighty. And listen, with that, if that's what's being said in heaven, if praises are going God in heaven, I wanna be praising him here on earth. I really do. You know, a few weeks ago in worship, we were outside and the Lord, he gave me a word. Um, with worship, you know what? We're managing things. We're getting things ready. We're, you know, we clean things up. We're listening to the sound. We're trying to get everything prepared and ready for service. And I think God grants us a lot of grace to, to do a lot of the practical things well. And I was standing in the back and, and kind of just, you know, keep an eye. And the Lord says, Steve, quit being Martha. Go be Mary. And I know the Lord wasn't calling me a woman in that. But remember... Mary, Martha was busy doing all kinds of stuff. And really the stuff she was doing was good. You know, people get too hard on Martha. There's a place to be a Martha. But Mary, what did she do? She sat at the Lord's feet. And the Lord said, what she's doing is good. What she's doing good, it won't be taken from her. And you know what? I said, you know what? Look at all this is what it is. If, if, if something goes wrong, whatever, I, I just want my full focus on the Lord. I want to worship God. I want to worship the Lord. And I'll tell you, I went up for that service and it was like the Lord lit me. Like, oh my goodness, this is beautiful. And the next week I said, I'm gonna do the same thing. You know, sometimes I'll get pulled away or whatever, but I, I, I want to make it my aim to be a Mary. I want to come in and I, I want to worship God. And so the next week I'm worshiping the Lord and lo and behold, some dog comes into the service. We're outside. He just came like cruising, like, yeah, I own this place. Went up to the front, kind of went around. I think the pancake smell was drawing him in. And, and the Martha in me said, go get that dog. And I'm like, you know what? There's men right now, and they're, they're serving God and being ushering and so forth. I don't need to do that. I'm going to be married. I'm like, oh, look at that dog, and I'm going to keep worshiping. And someone afterwards asked Shannon, what did Steve do? And he said that. And she said, he just laughed. Because the dog, whatever, dude, the dog came through. It was funny. The dog didn't really disrupt, disrupt anything. And it's like, I, I want to worship the Lord. And I've been trying to make that my aim. And I'll tell you, over the years, I've fallen short of that. And I apologize for that. You know, part of that being done out of practicality, saying we wanted an order. Because I'm, I'm, I'm like one of those people, like, I want everything in order. It's like almost a sickness. What do they call that? Um, yeah, whatever. You guys said it. It, it, it is a strength, but can be a great weakness. And if, if the noises in heaven are giving glory to God, I, I need to take the responsibility to do that here and do that when we gather. And I just want to encourage everyone and even challenge everyone when we're coming in, let's make it our aim to be like Mary, not Martha, amen? Because there's gonna be plenty of time for fellowship and building up one another. And I know that's important, that's good. I'm not shaming anyone if they're, they have to talk about something or there's something, it's not that. This ain't some legalistic thing of, you know, there's the worshipful people and there's the, look at, but let's make it our aim to grow and marry because if the noises and voices in heaven are giving glory to God, let's do that here on earth. And I'll tell you, there's great encouragement found in it. It's amazing what happens when you just step back and you're like, I'm gonna look at what we're singing or I'm gonna think about it, I'm gonna sing it to God. It's just amazing what, you don't have to have some glorious voice. You say, I'm gonna look at this, I'm gonna sing it to God right now. I'm gonna think about what's being said in spirit and truth. It is phenomenal. And so he says there are voices and then there's thunderings and lightnings. We've talked about a lot of thunders and lightnings in, in the book. It's always a picture of God's power and judgment. And then interesting, it says there was a great earthquake. And boy, there's been many a great earthquake in, in the history of the world. I grew up in Gilroy, and it seems like I grew up at an age, there was just like earthquakes all the time. 
and like big ones. And uh, I remember one year in, in uh, I was like a junior or senior in high school and we had this teacher in the class I was in. She just moved like from the Midwest and a big old earthquake hit. It was like a six, five. We were in like modular, so like it really shook. And every kid in that class within a second, boom, they were under their desk. Because we'd been doing earthquake drills from the, from the time I moved to Gilroy in fourth grade. And the teacher stood up there going, what do I do? What do I do? Kid, you know, we're like, get out of your desk. <laughs> so many earthquakes. And then in the course of the Bible, so many earthquakes. I, I, could barely, I barely even scratched the surface. Interesting, in Amos 1, and I'm going somewhere this, Amos 1, 1, it talks about the year of Uzziah, the king of Judah, and it says two years before the earthquake. And you know it was a big earthquake when like, oh, the earthquake. And then it's amazing how many earthquakes are here on earth that coincide with moves of God in heaven. Interesting, if you look at the time of the cross and what happens on earth, it's very much like what happens in the tribulation, except it's seven years in the tribulation. And when Jesus was there upon the cross, again, when he yielded up his spirit, it says the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earthquake. And it was such an earthquake, certain graves opened up and it's, it's fascinating. Certain saints were resurrected from the grave uh, and, and they came out and they went to the holy city or Jerusalem and they appeared to people like, I thought you were dead. Well, the earth shook and here I am, I'm back. You talk about the power of the resurrection of the Lord. And then again, the morning he was resurrected, there was a great earthquake and the stone was rolled away. And then in Acts 4, 31, they're being persecuted and they pray and they're assembled together and the place was shaken. And then in Acts 16, 25 and 26, Paul and Silas are in prison. And instead of complaining or crying or saying, what do we need to do? What men do we need to do to help us? They begin to praise and sing God. And at midnight, there was a great earthquake and all the jail cells opened. <laughs> oh Lord, shake our earth, Amen. Shake our earth as an extension of what you're doing in glory and doing in heaven. And I, I don't say that in a sense, again, of harming people or whatever. But look, at sometimes things just need to get shook. And we've read, I won't read it, but in the Olivet Discourse, when the Lord said the signs of, you know, the end of the age of his coming, there'll be various earthquakes in various places, which means not just in the normal places. And there's been studies. I got one thing here. 6.4 and higher earthquakes have exploded, have exploded, and they're not just on the San Andreas fault line. It's in places like Utah and, you know what, South Carolina and Tennessee, and you're like, earthquakes there? That's prophetic. And I won't get deep into this. I want to teach on it sometime in the near future, but Ezekiel 38 and 39, we know there's going to be a war where, again, um, Magog... Uh, or Gog from the land of Magog is going to come down against Israel. Some believe that's Turkey. I think it's Russia because Turkey has other names in the Bible. Um, Gog and Magog, it's a barbarous group that is north and Moscow is almost directly north of Israel. And it says in that day, there's going to be a huge earthquake in the land. And then you get into the tribulation and we've seen so many earthquakes. In the sixth seal, there's a great earthquake. The seventh seal, there's an earthquake. The second woe, when the two witnesses are called up, there's a great earthquake. With the seventh trumpet, there's an earthquake. And now with the seventh bowl, there's an earthquake, unlike any earthquake ever, because again, the mountains, as we, we read there, the mountains and, and the uh, islands are affected by it. Again, something like that had never occurred since men were on the earth. Notice 19, the great city, which is Jerusalem. It's called the great city, in Revelation 11, 8 and 21, 10, the great city was divided into three parts and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon, as we've been talking about, was remembered before God to give her the cup of wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And the reason why all the other cities fall and Jerusalem doesn't is because throughout the word it says, Jerusalem will last forever. It's the one city that above all cities, Satan has wanted to destroy, but it will last forever ever and even after the millennial reign of christ there will be a new jerusalem that will come down on earth i'm looking forward to getting into that down the road all the cities of the earth fall though while the great city it's split into three parts and it becomes a better city because out of it we know fresh water will go forth down to the dead sea and make that which is dead 
alive and teeming with life. See, when God gets involved, life comes. The Antichrist, the dragon brings death. And really all these cities, the fall, they're reflective of man's rebellion. Again, back in Genesis 11, the first Babylon, God said, go out, fill the earth, trust in me. But in verse four, what did he say? No, let us come together and build ourselves a city whose towers are the top of heaven. And let's make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the earth. Now we're gonna come gather together. And oftentimes what happens in the big city is men have more of a tendency to be dependent upon, again, even the big government. I won't go off on a whole rant on that because God has believers everywhere, but all you gotta do is go and look into it and you see that it's true. Where's most of the wickedness in the world come from? Usually not the rural areas. Usually ain't coming from, you know what, out in the middle of, of, of uh, you know, rural or America, it comes from the city. And that's not calling out any specific people group. It just, you get all these people together they, they, it seems like they almost become more savagery in that. They, they more look at the government to regulate everything. And look at government can be good when it's being regulated by God, but there's not a lot of that nowadays. So let's come together and make a name for ourselves. And then he remembers Babylon's sin. So much better to have God forget your sin than remember it, amen? Are you in Christ tonight? Is he your Lord? Then listen, he's forgotten your sin. Oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> thank you, Lord. Verse 20, it says, then every island fled away and the mountains were not found. Uh, Isaiah 40, verse four says, every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord is spoken. And it seems very much like the, the earth will become like it was before the flood. Because at the flood, again, that's when the, the, the earth burst open and that's when formations of the mountains were found, found and so forth. The earth changed dramatically after the flood. It says in those days of Peleg that the earth was split or the continents drifted and so forth. And so it seems like it's gonna look very much like the earth before the flood, even when men lived much longer and down the road, we'll see scriptures in the Old Testament that talk in the millennial reign that if someone dies a hundred, they'll be considered like a kid. And then 21, it says, and great hell fell from heaven, excuse me, great hell from heaven fell upon men. Each hellstone about the weight of a talent, men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hell since the plagues was exceedingly great. And it's very much like that seventh plague when Israel got called out of Egypt. It talks about great hell that fell. It's interesting, it fell on Egypt, but the Israelites were protected in Goshen. And I know this, no matter what comes, I'm in the hands of God Almighty. What a good place to be. Notice though, in the midst of this happening, they still blaspheme God. Dude, what's it take to get you to repent, man? What's it gonna take? People, oh, they gotta hit rock bottom. Dude, these people are so beneath rock bottom at this point. And they still, again, villainize God, curse God. Instead of repenting, they blaspheme him. Very interesting in Leviticus 24, 15 through 16, under the old Levitical Israeli law, if someone blasphemed God, you know what the penalty was for that? They picked up stones and they killed him. Now, that rarely happened back then, that they would actually do that. But God said, if he was telling them, if you blaspheme me, it's gonna be the death of you. God's very gracious. Look, at we've all blasphemed God many a time. And boy, isn't he long suffering. And thank you, Jesus, for even forgiving us for that. But this is when it's all getting wrapped up. They blaspheme God for the hellstones. And it's almost like the hellstones are stoning them for the previous blasphemies and then those current ones. And by the way, they say the weight of these, bla- of, of, of these hailstones, a talent's about 125 pounds. So anything left is getting wrecked from these hailstones. And again, what does it take for you to call out to the Lord? So many blasphemers then, so many blasphemers now. One thing that I rest in is that God's gonna take care of that judgment and he hasn't called me to pick up stones and throw them. He's called me to preach the truth. If that offends somebody, so be it. I'm not gonna, I will not be ashamed of the word of God. 
I mean, he'll be ashamed of me if that's the case. And I'll tell you, I read a lot of times and God's word stings me and it offends my flesh, then I gotta go. But listen, God's word is true. My Laodicean opinion is wrong. Lord, put it in check. But I'll tell you again, the Lord's gonna come with a perfect judgment and praise God that Jesus has made that way of salvation, that he has bore our sins on himself, all of it, every blasphemy, every wicked action, in Jesus Christ, it is covered because again, he is a sinless sacrifice for our sins and has risen from the grave. Isn't it good to know the Lord tonight? And listen, I don't know about you, but I'm blessed to be in the house of the Lord tonight with people who love the Lord. And uh, you know what? This is one of my favorite times every week coming together, like, you know, with, with, with people who love Jesus to worship the Lord. And, and I'm just so blessed to see all you guys out here tonight. And I hope... I hope you got encouragements tonight and some exhortations and maybe we got rebuked and corrected with some things. Don't harden your heart to the correction from the Lord. He brings correction because he loves us and he wants to bring us into green pastures, right? But to go into those green pastures and buy still waters, we gotta be led by the shepherd. And sometimes he'll take that staff and correct us because we're getting off and he'll, you know, a little tap on the nose. Oh, that hurt. Okay, Lord, I'm following you, you know? He's good like that. Heavenly Father, we bless you, we praise you, we thank you for your word. God, so much here. I know we're just scratching the surface of these things, but I I pray, God, that we could heed, God, just the clear call, Lord, to absolutely be a watchful people. Lord, to walk in that blessing, to be a people, God, mindful of our garments, Lord. And I pray even tonight, God, on the practical sense, Lord, that you would just, God, wash your garments, so to speak, God. And Lord, we pray for just, just the covering of your hand over us. And Lord, I just wanna pray, Lord, if there's things that we are withholding from you, that we'd submit them to you, God. Oh Lord, overcome those lies that we've been fed and even those lies that we believe, thinking that our way or our opinion, God's gonna bring, Lord, a greater life when indeed, Lord, sin brings death, but you're the giver of life. Lord, I just wanna pray specifically for anyone, even tonight, maybe they're just sitting there and they're like, oh man, oh man, I'm just stuck in this place. I know this is wrong, but I'm embracing it. And even maybe to lay it down, it means, you know, a whole, a whole change of your entire life. But let me tell you, the Lord wants to meet you where you are at. God absolutely will. I read of it and I've seen it in my own life and so many others over and over and over and over again. And hear this tonight, you are no exception. You're no exception. Bring whatever it is before the Lord. He loves you so much. He absolutely does. Bless your people tonight. And if you haven't called on the name of Jesus, again, he stands ready to wash and cleanse and forgive. Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So we thank you and praise you and pray these things in Jesus' name. And we said together, amen. God bless you.